and welcome to the YBNB show. Uh, those of you who follow know that we do this live three times a week, Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. So welcome to Friday, which is our business day. Mondays we cover body and Wednesdays we cover mindset and um, Fridays is business, as I say. Um, and sometimes I'm lucky enough to have a, a guest with me to talk on a particular subject. And today I'm delighted to introduce you to Peter Bolton, who is somewhere behind that photograph. There he is. Hi, Peter. Lovely to see you. Hi, Angela. No, it's a privilege to be here. So it's great to be with you. And thanks so much then for joining us. And um, particularly on a subject that I know many people um, are interested in at the moment. And that is about uh, the pros and cons of working within a corporate uh, versus being an entrepreneur and going it alone. Um, and um, I think particularly now where maybe people have been on furlough or even maybe they've lost their job or maybe even they've um, had a business that for whatever reason has come to a standstill. And at, at these particular points and others as well, um, people sort of wonder what direction should I take? Should I start another business? Should I start a new business? Should I go get a job? Should I stay in my job? So um, I um, think that more, more than you know, usual, people are asking those questions. And um, I'm so happy to have you on because I immediately thought when I'm thinking about the transition and, and who can really well describe the pros and cons, then Peter, you're a great example of that because, um, and I'll just fill in my perspective on our um, background of when we met and then maybe you can do the same. But from my perspective, I met you Peter when uh, you were managing director, or I think you were head of sales and marketing, and then you were managing director of a very large company, American-owned company. Um, it was a manuf manufacturing company, in fact, and uh, uh, you were in charge of European divisions, etc. And we were recruiting for you. So this is back in my recruitment days when I had Middleton Murray, and it was a straightforward recruiter. Um, and you and I have kept in contact um, over the years because you have been extremely innovative and ahead of the curve in lots of things that you've done. You know, you've worked. Uh, you've had sort of side hustles, you've worked uh, in very, uh, you know, you've had very large important jobs, you've uh, been very uh, entrepreneurial within a corporate and then you've actually moved to a sort of full-time entrepreneur, you've done daily emails for forever, it seems like well before others did. So um, I think you've got so much to share, so thanks very much for coming on. And if we could start with just hearing a little bit about you know what you do now and maybe then we'll, we'll sort of delve into your history, it's a long history so I'll um, I'll ask you some appropriate questions, I think. And, and at the end of this, for people watching, I want them to be a bit clearer on the pros and cons of entrepreneur versus job, or maybe both. Yeah, no, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. And there are advantages, of course, from both sides, aren't there? And yeah, I think it's important that people recognise those. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I sort of start at the end of the journey rather than yeah. begin, because you say it's a long journey, quite frankly, yeah. and... Uh, that might get a bit tedious for people to listen to the whole journey. Um, so today, um, I mean, I run my own business as in digitally, online. Mm. I really focus on helping people to increase their income, their profits and their net worth. And there's a variety of ways that I can do that. But four of the main sectors that I now work in online are within digital marketing education, helping people to understand actually what is digital marketing and how can it drive new customers into a business yeah i mean i would say on that point that the word marketing i think is very misunderstood and for me i say marketing is the feature but the benefit of good marketing is that it generates new customers for a business and i think mm -hmm. that's a really key point yeah um, definitely the second area is in within nutritional products i'm an affiliate for a company that represents nutritional products which of course is very good for us because too many of these 
too many of us are eating too much junk these days and fast food and we're not really looking after ourselves um, very much in line with YBMB of course I mean our bodies are so critical to doing good business because if we don't fuel ourselves correctly we're not really set up to do the best job that we can do no. the third area really is in forex which is trading foreign currencies to make a profit uh, what's happened really within the last couple of years is that there is ai software being made available to the man on the street or the woman on the street where you can use software to be able to trade without sitting in front of a screen all day long looking at charts and graphs and so on mm. and so forth and then the fourth area which is very recent to me is a uh, environmentally friendly cleaning products we're all so aware of how much plastic is being thrown in our oceans so i represent a company that uses aluminium rather than plastic for their packaging and also the contents of the cleaning materials are not caustic they are actually marine friendly and of course people then go well how does that clean properly then if it's not you know chemicals and so on and so forth so for me my world is all about introducing people to opportunities that they can find the right opportunity hopefully through me to run their own business as an entrepreneur and of course quite a lot of people i'm talking to come out of a job to then work as a side hustle really to do something with me for a while until they get to the point that they're confident that that's what they want to continue doing yeah. so they don't have to jump out of employment and lose the security of a salary before they're ready to do so yeah and um and i think one of the things that has always stood out with um for, about you for me um peter is that you're very consistent and very diligent and some of the things that you've mentioned forex etc would be associated with you know quick gains and um you know sort of people sort of jumping in and making a quick buck but i think the fact that you know someone like you is involved in these areas it proves that um you know with consistent because i know you wouldn't be involved in something that doesn't sort of work it proves that with consistent and diligent application you can make these things work and maybe another time we can talk about some of that um because i think you know it's, it's great to have new business ideas but um interestingly i think what joins it all together for you um even though there's such diverse areas is your skill levels in sales and marketing and you pick these up originally when you were working in a corporate environment so going back a little bit now if you just explain so when we met what you were responsible for and what you were doing and then maybe we'll talk about the transition yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, when we first met, I was sales and marketing manager for the plastics manufacturing business um, in, in charge of the European division of that business, American owned. The American part of the company was about 10 times the size of the division that I was the sales and marketing manager for. Um, and I was very keen to try and learn more about marketing. What is this this marketing magic, if you like. And I think actually, I, I, I may be wrong, but I think you and I met at a marketing event that was run by somebody else, where perhaps both you and I were looking for new ideas and thoughts on what marketing is. I'm not sure whether that's the case or not, but. Yeah, I remember coming and, and being in your office and you had your, you had a big telesales team to the side of you, I remember. And uh, they were making calls over, overseas to Germany and places like that. I do remember that, but. Uh, how I actually got there, I can't remember now, but yeah, but but I remember, um, you know, being very, very impressed with the setup. So you quickly, well, I don't know if it was quick or not, but you did uh, progress significantly within that business until you were, uh, you were MD of a much larger division, weren't you? 
yeah, it was quite an interesting transition for me because at the time I'd also started a bit of a side hustle, if you like, as you called it. And it uh, wasn't called side hustle then. You would do again. You're ahead of the curve, you know, because that's quite cool and trendy. People call it that now. Yes. But, but yeah. it, was, it wasn't called that, and you were doing that a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, I started. I was looking actually. I remember I went to the NEC to the franchise show to try and get some ideas of a business that I could start whilst I'm still in full-time employment as the sales and marketing manager for that company, which is probably a bit naughty, really, but um, hey, there we go. Um, and well, we... we'll come on to, to talk in a minute. You were doing a great job for that company, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, no, that's fine. And um, really through the franchise show, we did come up with an idea of a security company. Long story cut short, we actually then, and I say we, my wife and I decided to run it. I did all the, what I call the back office stuff and the marketing, and my wife did front of sales so that she could go and talk to the prospects and the customers and discuss things with the engineers. Mm -hmm. But basically selling CCTV systems to small local businesses, that's really where we started. Um, and the reality was that we pulled away from the franchise model at the last moment thinking, well, why do we really need that existing brand of a franchise? Why don't we start our own brand? Mm. And that brand became InTime Security. And actually InTime Security, which we then sold three years later for a very nice profit. Um, and I then returned to becoming the managing director of the plastics manufacturing business, which mm. is one of the reasons why we sold the company, because I felt after being offered the opportunity to step in as managing director because they had lost their existing managing director at that time for a variety of reasons. Um, I thought, well, if I'm going to run this as managing director, I really ought to come clean. So I spoke to my boss, who was the president of the company, and said, look, I've got to be honest with you, I was going to be leaving the company because I set up a security business and that was going to be my future. Mm -hmm. But now that you've offered me this opportunity, I'd like to sell that security business and put my heart and soul into this business. And I knew that if he found out at some stage and yeah. felt my heart and soul wasn't in the business, then maybe I wouldn't have a long career as the managing director. So mm -hmm. that's kind of how that really happened and that transition into becoming the MD. And I think um, that's a, a really great um, example of how it is really um, good to be completely clear about what your own goals are and not worry too much about what other people, uh, how you may be judged, but to be clear about what your goals are. Um, and then if you can see an alignment with the goals of yourself and your uh, employer, then fabulous. You know, as long as it's always working for both parties and that's, um, that's the way to go really, isn't it? Um, one of the things that uh, I do remember from that time ago as well is that you were you started sending out daily emails. They were from in time and um, they were called daily ticklers and they were motivational quotes. And I mean, we're talking years ago now and, you know, we all of us get bombarded with daily emails now. But I still still subscribe to yours because they're well thought through, you know, carefully selected. It's a bit like reading the Daily Stoic. I don't know if you've ever read that book before by Ryan Holiday, but um, you know, they're, they're carefully selected quotes. And, uh, but you must have um, an enormous engaged database as a result of those. So you were doing that very you know, well ahead of the curve as well, I think. Yes, I mean, I think for me what happened is that um, through that transition from in-time security to then becoming managing director for the plastics business, at a later stage, I then thought I'd start another side hustle as you do <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, was, that was in time profit so again yeah. i was using kind of like the in time logo and name which i had created to think well 
in-time profit suggests to people that it's about making profit. And in fairness, it was like a consultancy to help people understand how they could develop and grow their businesses mm -hmm. in a similar way that I'd learned to do that as the managing director of the plastics business. Yeah. And it was within that that I thought a little bit of relationship marketing, I think, can go a long way. So rather than just email marketing and other forms of marketing to try and sell the product or service, you know, daily ticklers, as I called them, which are basically quotes from famous or well-known people, which are designed to be a little bit inspirational, a little bit motivational, just was a lovely part of my relationship marketing that I sent out. And I kind of got into the habit of doing it, and I still do it today. I don't send them out every day, I'll be honest. It's normally a Monday, a Wednesday, and a Friday. And that's scheduled at the, at the weekend for the following week in exactly the same way, just to kind of help people to get to know, you know, who is this Peter Bolton? And he mm. seems to be like a decent sort of guy. He's consistent with his message and so on and so forth. So that's really how the Daily Tickler came about. And I think as well, what this demonstrates is that you can be very um, entrepreneurial and still uh, work for a company in um, and have a big job with them and also your entrepreneurial skills can really benefit that company because if we come back on to you know once you became MD I know you had a lot of success there and you significantly increased both the bottom line and the top line and you did some acquisitions as well I mean it was almost like it was your own business the way you operated which from an employer's perspective is really perfect you know we we call these people intrapreneur so they've got an entrepreneurial mindset but they're working within a business and that's precisely what you were um and I, you know i always advise people to to have that it doesn't matter if you're not running it as your own business i think you're so much more inv invaluable to an employer when you have that mindset um and that's what made you really successful within that business i think isn't it because you no one could argue with your stats i mean they were amazing yeah, I mean, I won't talk numbers today because maybe that's kind of yeah. confidential. But mm. if I say in my first full year as managing director, I, we lost money. I lost the business money. Yeah. And the American owners were looking at me as if to say, have we employed the right person to do this? Yeah. I was half expecting my P45 to turn up in the post <laughs> at some stage. Yeah. Um, but I was able then in the following year to make more money than we had lost in the previous year. It wasn't much more than we'd lost, but at least I'd stabilised the business and turned it around. Mm -hmm. And if we're thinking that's back in the last financial crisis, 2009, 2010, there was the additional challenge of doing it in a challenging market. Yeah. More exciting than that, in my third full year, we more than tripled the profits from its previous year. And I don't say that to brag in any way, but mm -hmm. what it gave me was the credibility that I could then pitch to the American owners for the second time, actually, that I wanted to acquire one of the company's competitors. And that nearly doubled the size of the business when we eventually sat down in 31st of March 2014 and signed the paperwork. We'd acquired a competitor, which just was such a great fit with the business. Um, I say that nearly doubled the size of the business. And I then spent the next two years in what I call post-acquisitional activity. It's mm -hmm. how do you get two companies, two cultures, two lots of suppliers, you know, all to work together towards one common goal. Yeah. And um, when I sort of talk about it now, I'm thinking, I did quite well, really. <laughs> so, you, did, you know, I mean, you did such a great job for them. And, um, and it just demonstrates as well that you can get your sort of entrepreneurial um, desires and sort of need for fulfillment and progress fulfilled within um, a, a corporate, you know, as long as you're given uh, carte blanche to do the things that you want to do and there's a clear process and you're given a, a, a certain amount of autonomy and um, 
uh, as I say, it needn't be one or the other. And I think that the thing that you were doing, which was your side hustle still, um, your in-time profit, it wasn't in competition and you were able still to address both very successfully. Um, but there comes a, a point, I think, because I had a 20 year corporate career myself as well. And, you know, at the end of my um, 20th year, so it was 10 years of BP, you know, from a, from a young age then, 20 to 30, roughly speaking. And then I was 10 years for a bank, uh, with the Woolwich, which became Barclays. But I always remember at the end of my 20th year, I was reporting at board level and um, I would have been sort of about 39. And I just remember looking at the chief exec one day at Barclays, his name was John Stewart at the time. And um, he just looked exhausted. He looked bored. And I was sitting at the board table, I was reporting something to him. And there was a moment where I just looked at him and I thought, you know, I really don't want your job. And I also had a side hustle. And I know this sounds like a bit of a, um, like a bit of a superficial thing, but I remember actually thinking, well, my car's actually the same as yours as well. We just happen to have the same car. So I was thinking from a materialistic point of view, I didn't want it. And from a, he seemed like he wasn't enjoying himself. And that was a real light bulb moment for me. And I also felt that I used to start these projects and be so enthusiastic and work all the hours that you know needs to be worked. And then suddenly the, the project would stop and there'd be something else. And obviously, you know, it was um, at board level and I wasn't at board level, although I was reporting to board level. And I found it so frustrating that I couldn't push forward the way, in the way that I wanted. And that was really after 20 years, what was my catalyst. So what happened in your case? Because obviously you were doing the acquisitions and you were doing super well. Yeah, I mean, really what happened, I had I had two shocks in one day would be the honest way that I can remember it. Um, my boss, who was the president of the company, would come over about every three months, about three days. And quite frankly, to a certain extent, we would pat each other on the back and say, aren't we doing well? <laughs> yeah. um, but on this particular time, which would have been August of 2018, I think it was, um, he came over and one of the things I wanted to do was pitch the idea of then acquiring the next business. And it was a fairly significant acquisition. Mm. I'd done my homework. I'd found three different companies that were all open to discussion. Let's say that. I had a favourite between those three, which was actually three times the size of the company that I was then running. So this would have been a major acquisition. And before I even got to talk about the detail, I said, you know, one of the things I'm now looking for is to be able to acquire the next company. And this was the shock because mm. he looked me in the eye and he said, I wouldn't consider doing any more acquisitions. Right. It's like, this is really strange. Mm. Um, and I know the reasons why he said that, which was actually nothing to do with the division that I was running. It was more to do with the parent company. Um, I won't go into detail because I think that's unfair and unprofessional. But I felt quite shocked that I couldn't now carry on doing the job that I could do mm. growing organically within the business to me was very boring quite frankly well it was almost like he's giving you a finish line in a way wasn't it yeah, yeah. well where do I go from here sort of thing yeah yeah and the second shock was when I got home that evening and spoke to my wife about it you know how was your day love and so on and so forth and I said you know da 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 da, da. and I said I said flippantly I'm thinking of leaving the company and the shock was when she said it's about time. I said, what? Yeah. And I've been there a long time because I've been there as sales and marketing manager previously and then took over as managing director for whatever that was, five years, I guess, I was MD of the company. And I said, well, why do you say that? And she said, you're bored. And I said, yeah, but I know another acquisition will make it challenging and interesting 
And she said, but you've just told me that your boss has said no more acquisitions. And I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was then actually three months later that I left the business on very, very good terms. Um, and mm. I had already built a succession plan into the business because wow. the person that owned the business that we acquired became my number two as the commercial director in the new bigger company. And I spoke to him and said, look, if I disappear, would you be prepared to then take on managing directorship and then lead the business for the future? Which he agreed. And he was a great guy. He is a great guy, full stop. So I, I left the business in good hands to then be able to go on to do other things, including the things that I'm now doing. So, yeah. And that is um, the definition of a good lever. I always say to people when you're going to leave somewhere, because no one um, has a ball and chain around their ankle to stay somewhere forever and ever and there always comes a time like I say when you're working for another business all the time your goals are aligned it's really great news um, the minute that the goals become disaligned is really the time to either have a conversation and get them back or else uh, to part company when you do part company always part as a good lever is what I would say because you never know when these people you're going to meet them further down the line you may want to collaborate with them you know unlike you want to go back and work for them again but collaborations in the future and you know as we know with our um with all the science keeping us alive for a long time most of us are going to have many many more years of our career in the future so you are thinking of leaving and, and be a good leaver even if that means three months notice waiting till you've got someone to replace you you know and all of the rest of it which is obviously exactly what you did and then peter you know you you sort of started again in in some fields and you know you've you've done that like I say you've built up gradually you you were very careful about the niches that you selected um, and tell us a bit more about that and then we'll go on to pros and cons of either. Yeah, no, that's easy. Um, what kind of happened is I took some time out when I left the business, um, yeah. including a glorious holiday at Reed's Palace on uh, Madeira, which is, nice. they say, the world's best hotel. I don't know how you can claim that because there's okay. a lot of very nice hotels in the world. Um, but that was also a catalyst when I received a phone call and an invitation to become the fourth founding partner of a business called Copper Bottom Investments. And Copper Bottom Investments basically work with businesses that are looking for investment to help develop and grow their businesses. Mm. And I thought, well, I've kind of proved my track record that I can, I can start businesses, I can grow businesses, I can sell businesses, I can acquire businesses. So this sounded perfect because I hadn't really thought about the investment side of things before. Mm. And the truth is that when we get invited in to see companies that are looking for investment, that investment really is twofold. It could be money, of course. I mean, that's the always the conclusion we jump to when we talk about investment is cash, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but the other type of investment really is the skills that the four of us could bring into a business, not mm. necessarily all four of us as partners work on every business that we work with. It could just be one of us or two of us sometimes. But that collective of four successful business leaders working together mm and being able to share ideas and thoughts and resources that help individually us help to develop and grow businesses can be very valuable. And the reality is that companies we go and see very often, we say, I'm sorry, we don't think you're investment ready for money. But yeah. we, if you want to hire us to work with you on a part time basis, 
we can work with you to help you get investment ready so you're attractive to an investor mm. rather than just looking like you're a company that is after some money to you know keep the wolf at the door which is yeah. sometimes the case of course and um just as an aside on that one peter in case people are listening and thinking oh you know i'm i'm in a startup mode or are those businesses that you help in that in that particular uh, organization are they pre-revenue or are they you know in their infancy with a growth plan or established businesses what's your target market there yeah it's an interesting one it's kind of both i mean one of the latest ones that i've become a shareholder in is literally pre-revenue pre-startup right um, another business that i'm a shareholder in has been running now for probably six or seven years and the reality was i liked what i saw within the business when they reached out for investment yeah the reality was they weren't investment ready um we did pitch it to a few people and actually we found an investor who wanted mm. to put twice the amount of money into that business than they were actually thinking they wanted but when they realized they were going to lose control of the business because of the size of the investment they decided not to go that route oh. i then personally invested in that company and we've turned that business around even with pandemic and everything else going on. we're still turning it around to be fair we're not there yet but moving it from a position of um, owned shops to a franchise model made complete sense where our cash flow is stronger than it ever has been mm. the opportunity for people to buy a franchise and for us to be able to make a profit and reinvest that into the business to continue to grow the business is very exciting mm. so to answer your question sometimes it can literally be pre-revenue pre-startup and on other occasions, it could be companies that have been running for a while, which are looking to scale and grow and perhaps just need a little bit of help to do that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously, with the long history you've had, you've you've had a success in a lot of areas. You know, you've if we sort of all, all across the spectrum, really ranging from starting your own business from scratch and selling it. So the, uh, you know, the alarm, the security business. Yeah being in a corporate working your way up from manager to md to md of a bigger division doing acquisitions for the corporate being a good lever from a corporate you know then starting your own initiatives investing in other businesses and then the digital marketing side that you've built up as well um you've got such a range of experiences there and so now i think would be the lovely time having established all those credentials what do you think are the pros and cons if people are sitting there now thinking should i stay with this company you know, should I sort of go and start another business? Should I go and get a job? What do you think are the pros and cons of both? If we start with um, working for someone else, first of all, working in a corporate, what would you say pros and cons of staying there or, or staying in that, that sort of field? Yeah, I think the immediate one that comes to mind, which I'm then going to call a lie, but the immediate thing is that you've got job security, you've got money coming in every month and you know how to pay the mortgage or the rent or whatever else. Yeah. The reason I say it's a lie is because job security is really a thing of the past. Mm. And I don't think necessarily it matters how good you are no. because it's about the circumstances that the companies get themselves into, either through their own fault or through outside influences. Yeah. One of the biggest outside influences we've got at the moment, of course, is pandemic, COVID-19 and so on and so forth, where, yes, there are certain industries which are thriving, it's not all doom and gloom out there, mm. but it has obviously and will continue to affect a lot of businesses. And those yeah. businesses then have to let people go when it's just not practical or 
fiscally viable to continue moving forward. Mm. So there's kind of the security of having a job and having a salary, but there's also on the flip side, the potential that any of us could lose our jobs if we're employed by somebody else if things go wrong. Mm, absolutely. Um, and anything else besides security in terms of opportunities, day-to-day -day activity, you know, uh, anything else like that that would... I don't think so as a benefit. I mean, you know, some people I think feel the security and peace of mind of going to work, let's say eight till five or nine till six or whatever the hours might be. I think working in a bunch yeah. of people who are in a similar situation that creates a community sometimes within the company, depending on how big or small the company is, of course. And I think a lot of people have a need to go to work to, to have community with people, not just about earning money. Mm -hmm. I think money is the yeah, result of what we get from what we do and the quality of what we do. But I think part of the motivation for us as social beings is we need to be around people. Yeah. We like to feel cared for. We like to feel part of the gang sort of thing. So I, mm -hmm. I think in an employment situation, that's one of the benefits that generally you would get within a company working for somebody else. Yeah, very much so. And um, I think sometimes people don't realise how important that is to them until they haven't got it anymore. I mean, starting a business, running, although people have experienced it a bit more during the last year, obviously with lockdown, so people are probably a bit more aware of, uh, of themselves and how they cope in certain situations. Um, but switching over now to running your own business or starting your own business, pros and cons of that from your perspective, what do you think? I think the main benefit of working for yourself is that you are your own boss. You know, you, you control actually how much effort, how much time, how much money maybe that you put into what you're trying to create. Mm. I think one of the things for people is that it's very easy to see the grass is greener on the other side. You know, that's an old sort of allergy, isn't it, really? Mm. But it's sort of thinking, oh, you know, that's how you can make a lot of money working for yourself. The truth is that a lot of people that work for themselves don't make a lot of money. Mm. Maybe they're happier in a way that they can control their own destiny. They feel secure in their own ability to manage themselves. And they don't then feel out of control or rather controlled by an employer. Mm. So I think there's a level of independence and a level of security in looking after yourself rather than being beholden to an employer or somebody else. I think, I think that's probably one of the key things. What I would say to me, entrepreneurship, I mean, I heard a, a definition of this some time ago now, an entrepreneur is someone that fixes pro people's problems for a profit. And I think it's very important to understand that it's actually the profit side of things because you can't go on being an entrepreneur for very long if you're losing money, you've no. got to be making money. Yeah. But I think it's that ability to help other people solve their problems or their pains, as I sometimes call them, with a product or a service, which helps them to overcome that as long as you can make a profit in return. Yeah, um, and I think um, when you're, from my perspective, that's very true, that the more you get focused on your client, and what it is that your client really wants and needs and you come up with something that um, is unique in terms of the, not necessarily of the offer but the way that you offer it uh, and then you try to over deliver and you know you know you're doing a really good job the more you focus on that strangely that's when you make money that's when you make profit because uh but the, but if you don't focus on that and you start stressing about the money which is hard not to you know when it's when it's not coming in but the more you focus on internally on on the money and the financial modeling and all of that um i found that's when you're less likely 
to, uh, you know, to do so well. Um, but I do think that um, it takes a certain strength of mind. You can't really take your foot off the pedal so much, I think, when you're actually, especially if you're in startup mode. And if you're not careful, you don't keep yourself in check, then you can become, you know, the boss from hell, but to yourself. Because, uh, you know, you're, you're paying yourself last, you're working, you're making that person work all hours, do all the jobs. Um, and so I've certainly been through that as well. So I think when, um, I don't know if you've read, ever read The E-Myth, have you? Yes. Yeah, yeah The E-Myth Revisited. Um, and that describes this scenario really, really well. And what it says is if you're going to start a business, well, I would say for sure, read that book uh, be, and think about the structure that you're building. Um, and, um, you know, by all means, if you've decided that you're going to be just working for yourself and, and almost swapping one job for another, it's just that now you, you're your own boss, then that's fine. But do it consciously is all I would say. Um, yeah. But I don't think the grass is really greener either side. I don't think it's as clear cut as that. I think it's, it's very much a case of um, experiencing both and then drawing your own conclusions. But I do think it's worthwhile everybody experiencing both, even if they're doing it as a side hustle, as, you, as you've described. And there's many opportunities to do that, aren't there? Yeah, and I think the key thing there is that if you are of if you are in a job and you feel fairly secure but you feel restless and you want to do something else there's plenty of opportunities particularly within online businesses which is one of the things i'm very much involved in of course that you can start your own side hustle you don't have to tell your employer you're doing something else you can try something and work it in the evenings and the weekends to find out if it's really what you want to do and if not you can kind of there's a, a popular expression pivot back the other way and actually say I'm actually happier working for somebody working for a boss within a structure and getting my money every month and knowing what I'm doing yeah um, and I think it's that ability to be able to step out and try something else and find out to be fair as I did originally with the security business I mm -hmm. was still working full-time you know for that plastics manufacturing company as the sales and marketing manager but I was using evenings and weekends to think how can I get something else going which might well be my future yeah without actually leaving the security of that employment. Now, Completely, I'm not trying yeah. to help people be, you know, um, to tell lies, if you like, but we've got to look after ourselves. Mm. Nobody is coming to save us. And I think that's a very important expression. It's about looking after ourselves. But I think the entrepreneurial spirit is also turning that word work, which is a negative word for so many people, mm. into a positive. You know, I don't start and finish work at nine till five or anything else. I kind of work or live life, as I call it, 24 hours a day. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm often on emails and things in the evenings or at the weekends or taking calls and bits and pieces because I enjoy helping other people achieve things for themselves. Mm. Sounds slightly selfish because I'm getting the enjoyment out of helping other people. Yeah. Um, and the money just comes as a result of what I do. Yeah. And I yeah. don't feel like I'm financially motivated. I'm not money motivated. I think it just doesn't sit with me for some reason money mm. just comes as a result of serving other people and helping yeah. them and if i can help other people be successful i feel good and it's that feeling that i kind of crave i suppose and mm. if that sounds selfish well i'm sorry but that's the way that it is yeah but that's a victory isn't it that's a victory each day when you know that you've you know you've really helped someone like i've had um a whatsapp this morning from someone who sort of talked about the fact that you know the program is something that she's had a light bulb moment it's really changed things for her um that's not money that's but that is just a recognition that you know we've really managed to make a difference 
And there's just something about that. I mean, in fact, there is a sort of a science behind that, you know, that gives you a hormonal kick, like a happiness hormone um, surge when you feel that way, when you feel that you've done something for someone. So uh, yeah, maybe it is a bit selfish, but it's a nice way of being selfish. Um, so uh, just to finish up, I think, Peter, people can get you at uh, peterbolton.com, can't they? And if they are thinking about, um, you know, exploring this whole idea of side hustle, um, exploring about alternative ways of uh, starting businesses, earning new revenue streams, helping, helping other people. And even if they've already got a job and they're just sort of putting some feelers out, I think that uh, they really can't go wrong by contacting you and finding out a bit more about the opportunities that you have. And at the very least, subscribing and getting your daily emails because they are always so motivational. And um, and then just to finish off as well to say that, uh, you know, you're following YBMB, those of you who've, who've logged on today and you're watching today, um, if you want to take that a step further and uh, start to work on, you know, this exterior, this one and only vehicle that we have, which we call our body and our brain, then uh, you can find out a bit more about the programme too. And, uh, you know, both myself and Peter would absolutely love to help you um, to, uh, to take that next step and be uh, a stronger, better, more financially successful, happier you. So uh, with that, I think uh, we can leave it there, Peter. Any, anything else to add? No, I think you've put a lovely bow on the end of that call, to be honest, because that's what it's about, isn't it? It's about helping other people to achieve what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. And I think it's, it's helping those people that want it. Mm. There's a very old fashioned expression, which I heard many years ago, that goes something along the lines of, you shouldn't want something for somebody else more than they want it for themselves. Mm. And I think we've got to find that spark inside ourselves. Say, if I want something, I'll find the people that can help me to achieve that. And that's really where the entrepreneurial journey, I think, starts. Yeah. It's not just about the individual. It's about the people that they reach out to, that they connect with, to be able to help them on that journey. And if I can help people, then clearly they can reach out to me and they can find me, as you say, www.peterbolton.com and Bolton is spelled B-O-U-L-T-O-N just if you wanted to make a note of that but uh, oh, yeah okay. Angela, it's been a real pleasure to spend some time with you so thank oh, you for you too and, and congratulations on all your successes and achievements and just you know keeping on being so inspirational all through pandemic uh, it's been, been really great to talk to you today thanks Peter take care all right bye-bye bye-bye